Top three answers on the board, 100 gurus and sages surveyed. Number three, ding. Glory. Number two, ding. <laughs> oh, yeah. Money. Number one, ding. Power. Years ago, when the Beatles came back from Mallorca, the, there was a rush for what, uh, spirituality from India. And, uh, you know, Mom and I went down to Greenwich Village and we got initiated into TM. And we were like some of the first people in the 60s to do it. And um, the, at the same time, there was a Japanese um, cult type of spirituality thing. It was the brown rice diet. Just, just miso and brown rice. And that was it, you know. <laughs> but this is such a good example of how you can go... The pendulum can swing too far one way. The uh, sensei or whatever said that the only rice that he advised his people would be rice imported from Japan. Do you know this story? I remember it vaguely. Yeah. So they only had rice imported from Japan. But on the ships coming over, rats urinated on the rice. Yeah. And the cult people... You know, it really was really was bad. Hey, friends. That was my pop, Rick Mallinson. And uh, what's great about my dad is that if I'm thinking about a cult or a movement of some sort that happened in the 60s and 70s, it's a really good possibility that my dad bumped into it. He might even have uh, joined it or participated in it in some way. And so he is a wealth of knowledge for precisely the sort of thing I am interested in. And I have a vague memory of some of these things that trickle down into my own consciousness about food. And it's been kind of fun to figure out, was that something that I learned from a, a scientist or a teacher? Or was it something that came indirectly through some of these teachers, some of these religious and diet teachers through my, my family? Uh, but in any case, today's show is about the macrobiotic diet cults. And really, there's one in particular. The idea of the macrobiotic diet is something that derives in some ways from Zen Buddhism, but it also has a European kind of pedigree. It's based in the form that we're talking about it today on this yin and yang philosophy inspired by Taoism. But the idea at the very basic level is reducing animal products, eating locally grown foods, and, uh, and foods that are in season, consuming meals in moderation. All of this sounds really great. We're gonna talk, however, about the ways in which this has gone wrong. Uh, the idea was really brought to the West, and especially to the macrobiotic hippie movement through George Osawa. Osawa uh, was somebody who then influenced the Italian Mario Pianesi, who in 2018 was under investigation by the police. He's now in his 70s. He was under investigation by the police for severely malnourishing his first wife, leading to her death, and for cult-like behaviors with people that were in his movement. It is a study in the ways in which sometimes we can put too much trust in these fake authorities and quacks and the ways in which our, our food actually can be affected by this. And the power of food is so great that in this one case, in Italy at least, Mario Panessi, Ma P, he was able to create an actual cult 
out of this thing known as the macrobiotic diet. We'll explore this more in detail. We're so glad you're with us. Grab a carrot or something and have a little snack as we talk about food. Let's go. All right, Stacy. before we get into it, I want to just play one more clip from my pop. Uh, he sent us a voice message to add on to the question that I asked him via text. I asked him, okay, so you, you came across this diet. Why? Like, what did, the, what did this diet of Osawa, what did it mean to your friends in the hippie movement? Where, where did this come from, and, and how did it fit in? Here's what he said. George Oshawa was a Japanese philosopher in the 1920s, and uh, his influence came to America through basically San Francisco with the beat generation of the late 1950s. But it really didn't take root until it uh, morphed into the hippie movement of the um, early, or actually the mid-60s. In the mid-60s, the, um, the diggers were in Haight-Asbury, and uh, they had the free, free uh, store where people could just come in for free and get goods. And the diggers eventually had a coffin that they marched down in a parade saying that the, the movement had been uh, hijacked by uh, uh, people that really weren't into being hippies. So they, they buried the hippie movement. They were called the diggers. But um, the austerity of uh, Osawa's macrobiotic diet is very appealing to the first hippies because they wanted to have a simplistic answer. And uh, basically it was very, very similar to what they were doing. So the macrobiotic diet really came to America through San Francisco and the influence of um, – the uh, early 60s, the love generation. And um, the, 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 whole, the whole scene in the 60s was, you know, the marijuana had come in and people were looking for organic food and simplistic lifestyles. So it was, the whole philosophy was very, very appealing. And uh, I would have to say that the thing that um, really uh, – in addition to the macrobiotic, it's basically a very unhealthy uh, diet, which um, you've, you've already dealt with. But I think Maharishi Mahesh Yogi uh, basically got the movement to look more to India than to the Far East, Japan, and China. Uh, Maharishi was very popular. Transcendental meditation was just because of the Beatles absolutely uh, took over and uh, eclipsed the macrobiotic diet. And I think that's uh, what we have today is more of a India-centered movement. Now it's coming more far eastern to Zen uh, and Tai Chi of China. Uh, but it, in those days, it was definitely eclipsed by the TM movement uh, of Maharishi Yogi. And that's why it, uh, the, uh, the macrobiotic diet went into obscurity. All right, Stacy. So that's a lot. This is fun stuff. 
Now, um, do you remember when I was when I was younger and I wanted to I wanted to start a, a soup cult? Yes, I do. Very an much actual so. soup cult. And then yeah. every, what does everybody say when I say I want to do the soup cult? Do you know? I don't. They always say they always tell me about the soup Nazi oh. from from the from the sitcom Seinfeld, which gotcha. is great. Gotcha. Nothing to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm glad, friends, that you want to engage me in conversation. I appreciate that. I remember. But I'm, I'm talking about a soup cult. I remembered that you did talk about a soup cult and then and i don't know if it was uh before or after you mentioning it though that um, where we lived in colorado and then they opened up a soup place and so it was intriguing yes so I, I don't know if that gave s- you the inspiration no or? no 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 this is something i've been thinking about for a long time yeah. because i have my, my theory is it's purely uh fraudulent <laughs> uh, but, but the uh, the concept i think is is an interesting one right um i want a quilt made by uh, you know Amish people because you know they make their own quilts they gotta Very they gotta nice. make yes. a good quilt yes right I, I want to get my vegetarian food from uh, from Hindus right because they've been doing this for thousands of years and this will come in hand here in a second right like I like vegetarian dishes from the Indian restaurant because they're tasty they're filling mm-hmm. they've they've got flavor you know it's, definitely they've been doing it for a long time okay gotcha. they don't eat they don't eat they don't eat uh, beef so they've had to learn <laughs> To do these other great things with other things, right? And and, and on and on, right? I, I like root beer made by Mormons, okay? Because they're they're historically they don't drink the, the caffeine, right? So so different religions have kind of expertise. Well, what I thought would be cool is if I started a cult, and the whole the gimmick of the cult was we only eat soup, <laughs> and then I would create a fake controversy online between the liberals <laughs> who want to have stews and chili okay and the and the conservatives who say you can put some noodles in your soup but it has to be like a very nettle, brothy nettle soup yes but it has to be a brothy soup and then there's some people who are really pushing the envelope with a very thick pumpkin soup it has to be very brothy right it has to be something where you can kind of pour it with a spoon and it's in a you know basically the consistency of the chicken noodle soup gotcha. broth that's okay. what you want right okay and why would i do this because then people would say i don't know much about the cult's beliefs but if they only eat soup, it better be darn good soup. You see, I that's what you sure think. I sure hope so. Yeah, except what we find today is that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> Sometimes it's good, and in fact, when we're, we're going to talk about uh, with this macrobiotic, what we're going to talk about with this macrobiotic diet fad, that there actually were some good restaurants that came out of it, and uh, we'll get to that in a second. But before we do, Stacey, how how has the the new diet for us, how's that going for you? Are you enjoying it? Are you? What do you yeah, feel? Yeah, it's I, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, just being able to try new things and new flavors. So I'm really enjoying our our carnitas with the jack jackfruit. You know, and being able to kind of master that a little bit. We friends, friends, this is so good. Stacy did it's key, delightful today. That the key to that is, you know, not only are you draining all of the water out of the jackfruit, but then you also take it and put it in a towel, and you squeeze out any of the excess water. You roll that towel. You roll it and squeeze it as tightly a as you dish can. dish towel. A dish towel, yes. So you can Not get the out. Salzburg's towel. We accidentally took a beautiful <laughs> napkin from the Salzburg family. Here we were, invited over as dinner guests here. <sighs> right before we left on this trip. And in <laughs> to, my pocket. To somebody's house, and, and Jeff steals one of their napkins. No, he didn't steal it. He I didn't mean to. In his nervousness and stuff like that, he stiffs thi- puts stuff in his pocket sometimes yeah. and well, well I put I put 
I put napkins in my pocket very often, <laughs> well, but never think, so nice as this napkin. Right. This is a cloth napkin. And I think it's like sometimes like I think you, you, it's your it's your it. way of cleaning up around you. When you no, like it's my way of not having something on the f- on the ground. I always I always get my napkin f- falling oh. on the ground. So you just put it in your pocket. If I put it in my pocket, I know where it is, and it's not on the ground, gotcha. which is disgusting at at, ro- at restaurants, not at the Salzburg home. But I would say that then. Now we're we're trying to get whole curtains made of this because it is just the most delightful, <laughs> well, d- delightful because you love it. It's the and it has the poppies, the California the California poppies, poppies. Which is you know basically my favorite flower since a very young girl because it, it it would just pop up naturally everywhere where we were it's living. It's kind of a weed. So. It's just everywhere and it's delightful <laughs> it's so every time you drive it and especially as we're doing what we're now uh, what we're doing, driving up the coast. Yeah, I see lots seeing of seeing them everywhere. It's, it's so just great fun. memories. But Stacy jackfruit, this is really the thing that we've learned. I mean, it's the most amazing thing. It looks like the carnitas when, yeah, when we you get shred it right. It and you and pull it like pulled pork. You can use it in pulled pork dishes, uh, shredded chicken dishes. Picks up the seasoning really nice. And we stocked up on some, so we have you know cans of it, and are able to I, then without worrying about refrigeration or anything else. We have we don't have any the can. we don't have any like real space problem in the fridge because we used to have like you know that the raw meat and then you're worried about cooking it in time and you don't yeah. want the, the well juices. sometimes I worry about you know the the temperature of the fridge you know sometimes I think sometimes I I fear especially I don't have to worry so much on this trip because it's not as hot but <laughs> when we're going to hot places right. you know it 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 ta- it's harder for it to work and do one, its job one hot afternoon that's cooking at 108 <laughs> can can ruin our our store right right now we could we could just turn off the electricity essentially and everything's just kind of chilling it, not too much in our fridge is going to go bad quickly right that's something we never really thought about with the kind of new way of thinking about what we're what we're eating and then all throughout the the little hidden compartments here on the lower part of our truck camper we can put a whole bunch of canned goods we've got all these cans and you pop open the can you season it and now i've got uh, we had we had the most delightful carnitas style tacos and uh, it was just a, this so good so thank you i'm loving it the jackfruit's the game jackfruit is uh is uh, just a wonderful food it's just i think it's probably more sustainable is my guess than the than the uh, cashews even though i Dig the cashews, <laughs> uh, which are I think especially the ones that we're getting here with forage or with the the, yeah. the yogurt. The cashew um, yogurt is they they, they get it from favorites. a better spot. Sometimes with water usage in in California, there's debates about the almonds. Yes, definitely know. with almonds. I mean, a, they take a lot of water. I've heard, and that obviously we're. It's raining it's now. It's raining, so it's great <laughs> because everybody yeah. is celebrating. But they have, you know, there's been drought warnings and things like that. And, and so they're definitely trying to conserve on water. So it's kind of reminds me of, you know, that excitement that, you know, it's like it's, you know, that they just everybody is giddy over the rain. And, and I don't know that sometimes I guess I take it for granted. Um, yeah. Especially, I think, all those years of living in Washington. Yes. You know, yeah. That, it, it, we ha- it, this is reminding we're getting closer and closer. This is reminding us of uh, of our old home up in Muckleteo, Washington. Yeah, and yeah. the forest and everything. It's delightful. Well, let's get to our subject. Um, the ma- macrobiotic cult is uh, is a is a tough one, and I wanted to start with it because, in many ways, it's so much of what I found exciting in the last couple weeks about our new experiments with eating more plants mm-hmm. you know and and i knew that it had some connection to something that is is more related i think to a general mindset 
within Zen Buddhism and Zazen meditation, and that is finding in your diet simplicity, right? So there's a certain kind of simplicity, naturalness. Mm -hmm. Why? Because Zen Buddhism is highly influenced by the philosophies of the Tao Te Ching and, and, and that, that kind of philosophical Taoism. And so the idea is, you know, I've read uh, in, 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 in many cases, you want to get to a place where you're not wrestling constantly with these hunger pangs, but you're not overfed. You're, you're kind of at that 80% mark, so you're just kind of alert. It's like you got a good posture, so you're, you're alert. You're sated. You're sated, but, I mean, maybe almost sated. Yeah, you're just, you're just at that spot. You're not stuffed, right? And that's an important thing, not because some religion's nagging at you. It's an important thing for your own, like, happy, happiness, your, your, your mental health. Mm -hmm. it's, it makes you sharp. Well, and, and I would say that if you're paying attention to your body and each of the bites and, and, and enjoying and actually recognizing the food. Well, I'm going to get to bites here in a second, baby. <laughs> I, you, <laughs> for you, what it you is. You don't know what you're after here in a second. Well, <laughs> but what, I'm what I am saying, though, is that being, I think sometimes mindless eating, if we're busy and, you know, kind of like stuffing our faces and not actually, you know, maybe appreciating the food that, that is going into our mouth and those that have prepared it or, you know, all of the parts that go into having this meal, it's easy to just eat, eat, eat till it's gone yeah. and not really know when your body's like, okay, this is a good stopping point. And you're never paying attention to it. And this is the thing. I have fallen so in love with my food. If you love your pizza, why don't you marry it? Well, I've not <laughs> been eating too much pizza, but the, uh, the foods I am eating are blowing my mind. Right, I I just got these Spanish olives and I got these Spanish um, almonds, you know, and we were just just having a couple oh, of those, they, they were and delicious. every one of them is like a jewel, you know, but not a hard jewel that would break my teeth, <laughs> you know. But I mean, it's just it's this it's so precious, mm -hmm. and then and then a small glass of good orange juice, you know, it's just been really I've been really enjoying it. Um, so a and lot I'm feeling better. That's the other I'm thing. I'm feeling great. It's not the tired feeling after right like right. where you're just gonna i don't know go need to take a nap or something like that it's actually feeling like we're getting fueled by the meals so let me tell you though what this macrobiotic macrobiotic diet basically is because it sounds really good at first right and, and there's parts of it like i said it, it derives from zen buddhism but also kind of chinese philosophy of yin and yang uh, inspired of course by taoism but yin and yang in terms of the balance in a, in a diet. So some foods are assigned kind of a yang okay. character and some are a yin character. And that's, I think, part of where the the science gets a little funky. I mean, a lot funky, right? <laughs> well, who's the determiner? Yeah, see, that's, that's well, yeah, that's, the, that's part of it. Um, but th there's other great parts of it. Um, I, I do think that balance is an important concept, right? Yin and yang yes. is a good concept. Yeah, you just gotta figure out, all right, what are the foods that are yin and yang? And, and I'll tell you what those are in a second. Uh, but the major principles are really good. You reduce your animal products. You eat locally grown foods that are in season. And you consume meals in moderation. That like if you told good. me that, that's the mantra of it. You know, like that that's great. great. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's reducing animal products, locally grown, in season, meals in moderation. If we all did that, the world would be healthier. We'd be healthier, of course. Right. Now, so it's all sounding good, but 
they don't like nightshade vegetables, which are tomatoes, peppers, potatoes, wow, eggplant, okay, spinach, beets, and avocados. Avocados. Wow. You take away my avocados, now all of a sudden, there's go- there, go- there goes some wait a minute, protein. tomatoes. <laughs> Peppers, potatoes, and eggplant, spinach, beets, and avocados. That's all the favorite things that you like. Yeah, so but this is the problem. So now you start with something ever so nice. It's wonderful. Local, you know, plant-based diet, locally grown. Let's get healthy. But we're gonna cut out potatoes. Potatoes are some of the easiest ways for you to get your nutrients if you're a vegetarian. Eggplant is, spinach is, you need your iron, and avocados, man, right? Um, they also I like what they say about not using synthetic utensils. That's nice. I like not using synthetic u- utensils. Potatoes give you a lot of nutrients? Yes. Oh, I I would think tomatoes do. Oh, tomatoes are good, but, t- but, but, but... Potatoes, I feel like, almost are like empty calories. No, Only no. when they're made into French fries. No, no, this is the thing, right? We think bad about... We think bad of... Look, what do I know? But historically, the potato has been really helpful for poor people. Right, well, because of course, it's, I, I think of it as a filler, but but, it's, I, but you're saying no, it's it's got actually got the nutrients in it. That's why it works. You get your no. carbohydrates. If you need to survive, and you've got a baked potato, and you can throw a little bit of something on that, that's going to carry you through no. the day. In fact, is like potatoes themselves, like really, um, like you know, being able to 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 feed a a, a population when that hit in the case of the Irish potato famine mm. it was devastating because it's not just a filler food it's the thing that's going to keep you going gotcha now the other question is, is 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 it still healthy without the skins or i know a lot of yeah. i hear that a lot of the nutrients are I'm in just, the skin is that true i'm, I'm just wondering i don't know about that gotcha. i have heard that too but i don't know i'm sure that i'm sure there's lots of great stuff in the skin i think it's also unnecessary for everybody to have to peel their stuff right i get this but the but the key is we have a potatoes get a bad rap because of the monoculture, the kinds of things we get, these big starchy potatoes. Have you ever had these, you know, the really good, yes. like kind of heirloom yeah. potatoes from, from South yeah, they're, America? They're really yummy. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's, no, they're really good for you. But, but you know, you gotta, you got to balance all this out. You definitely don't want to cut it out. If you, if you cut out all these things, especially, you know, you get rid of avocados and potatoes, you're starting to slow people down in terms of where they're going to get their life-sustaining nutrients. Gotcha. And this is why I think this story is so important because we can look at this. Most people today can look at this and say, well, that's a silly diet. That's not good for you. That's not helpful. But what we don't realize is we're probably doing something like that now with some other new gimmick that hasn't fully been debunked. Mm. right? So there's all these diets that come out and, and they are uncritically accepted. I guess this is what I'm saying. It's not that there's an actual official headquarters of a food cult sometimes. Not in some cases that there are. <laughs> but the idea is that there's, that there's this way in which diets are very much like conspiracy theories. Oh, everybody has. And cults. And once, you, once it gets ideas. its hooks in you, yeah, you're not, you're not, you're, you're not listening to reason anymore. And you, you've got to stop. We've got to stop this, right? So um, we, we mentioned all these things. Well, what is it, though, right? So as my dad says... It's primarily, if you think about it, just as brown rice. That's what my dad's thought was. That's what mm. his friends were like. Okay, just eat your brown rice. You get your fruits. You get some vegetables, seeds, soy products. That's good. Okay. Uh, buckwheat-based noodles. That's your soba noodles. Those are great. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love the soba doodles, and they're right? Very, they're very filling. Uh-huh. Beans, whole grains and nuts. So it's it's good stuff, right? And uh, again, where, where's this coming from? This is coming from this Japanese guy named George Osawa. And he's living in the 1920s back in, in France, right? And I'm going to come back to him in a minute. The reason this matters so much for our overall conversation about religious wolves is that there's this other guy. He, he's known as Ma P, Mario Pianesi. And he's an Italian guy. And he adapts this uh, George Osawa's diet but he makes these really extraordinary claims about how it can it can cure cancer mm. and you know you can overcome HIV AIDS that sort of thing and so yes it's it's inspired by the uh, Osawa macrobiotic hippie movement um but he is taking it in his own weird direction and he's being directly now not just unhelpful because of his his quackery mm-hmm. with, with nutrition, he's unhelpful because he's actually going to uh, really act in a, in, a, in a terribly culty way towards his followers, okay. right? So um, he, he was busted recently. This is why we, we know a little bit more about it. But he started restaurants and farms, and sometimes they were making pretty good money because, again, it's just kind of like my soup cult. They would have the restaurant, mm-hmm. And they would have this this food, you know, that was that was healthy and, and and vegan. Well, and if it's limited, you could probably buy in bulk. Yeah, but also who's working there? The cult people. Gotcha. So you've got cheap these this cheap labor, and and so the the Guardian uh, story that I was reading about this, uh, and I will link to this on our show notes at protectyournoggin.org. In the uh, article, police said that. This operation was kind of like uh, like a franchise, kind of like the Bikram hot yoga. Mm-hmm. So you got this guy mm-hmm. who's who's got a movement, but he's also putting together these restaurants that are kind of like a multi-level marketing franchising gotcha. kind of game. And if, by the way, if you look them up online, a lot of positive stuff. People are saying, "Oh, look, here's this really great dietitian guy." Kind of like, you know, if. I don't know, maybe he was on at some point. He's the kind of guy that would make it on to Dr. Oz. <laughs> okay. But if you took him too seriously, you could get into a lot of trouble, mm. is the point, right? So um, the followers would have to invest in this in this scheme, essentially. But then, uh, then Ma P is going to take, he takes the profits, okay. right? So you're, you're investing, you're getting the thing started up, and then you've only got to buy your food and your produce from this guy's system, right? So, like, you're trapped and you're buying your food from him. And you don't make uh, any you're, money. You're working for him at, you know, low wages or whatever, or you're paying to be a part of the system. So here's this guy. He thinks you can fight diabetes and cancer and all this. And um, if you are struggling, if you've got health issues, and if you're, and if you're having a tough time in your life, um, this is where it, it acts in a perfectly classic cult-like way. So the stories that start coming out when they investigate this guy, the Italian police find that they would they would be a young person. They'd come in and they'd get love-bombed. 
Mm-hmm. Right? They're just, oh, man, they've never been loved. Their parents don't care about them, and now right. everybody's right on top. Now they're going to have a place to live. Oh, yeah. Food to eat, apparently. And, and there's a demon. A certain diet. And there's a demon, and the demon is Western medicine. Just mm-hmm. like in Scientology, it's it's psychiatry, it's, it's Western medicine in general. And it does ring kind of true to people like us, right? If if we're looking at the man, we mm-hmm. don't trust the man and the pharmaceutical companies. Well, and I, yeah, my, my biggest concern is, is can some of these things be treated better or even be done away with entirely if certain, you know, medicine is allowed. But what what are you saying? Well, just in in general, I feel like with the pharmaceuticals, I feel like sometimes because there's money involved in a certain type of say, you know, whatever, like a painkiller or something that that's what we have to use. They don't necessarily other things that would be, that could be better and more natural or whatever, but we discredit that. You're saying we don't necessarily get the right medicine because they're pushing what is best for them. Correct. Yeah, right. So so we, we see that everybody knows this, well, right? Here's the thing. To get, so there was a medicine for Bindi. I remember you were yes. looking and you were like... It was anti-inflammatory. Yeah, like, huh, is this... Helpful for gout, <laughs> perhaps. <this> work <laughs> on a human when you're pretty desperate? And, and then you looked at it and it was discontinued for human use yes but it was like why but you looked into it it was because the company had come up with a different pharmaceutical that they wanted you to use instead and it hadn't been able to be uh distributed in generic form gotcha right i think Uh, that's what it was so it it wasn't commercially valuable for anybody to make it anymore for people or something it doesn't matter but like you just we have the nagging sense that we can't trust the pharmaceutical companies and most people realize that you cannot uncritically trust them any more than you'd trust some weird guru and so this this little bit of truth that they have this little bit of of a good cause becomes something that is unhelpful for people because then they stop taking life preserving medication perhaps psychiatric medicine that they really need Mm. right now um, I'm all for, and you're all for, a discussion this season, especially, about pulling back from some artificial ways of getting our lives in gear right. and getting our health in gear, no doubt. But when it becomes culty is when it's this absolute thinking and it's not based on any actual research or deep experience. You know, when somebody's just kind of coming up with weird, quacky ideas, uh, they can make a lot of money, but it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it's safe. And so this guy, he isolates young adherents from outside friends and family, and he manipulates these people, um, uh, these, these followers, for, for more than two decades. Wow. Right? And uh, in 2013, there was uh, one woman who, who reached out to police. She ended up, she was only weighing 77 pounds. That's and she lot. said, yeah, and she said she was um, working under slave conditions, to make the food she also had to pay for, and and it was food that didn't sustain her. Mm. And so this is straight out of the Scientology playbook. You de- you demonize Western medicine, uh, and you also kind of manipulate the police, and you take advantage of tax laws, and you give freebies to cops in the case of this particular food cult, giving some freebies to cops, trying to work that so that they wouldn't get in trouble the Mopi diet was actually even endorsed by scientific journals. That's kind of a bummer. Wow. But I bet that what they were talking about is, hey, move away from your processed foods. 
Mm. Yep. Get to local mm-hmm. foods that are not preserved. Yes, yes, yes. Buy your foods in season. A, a lot of that stuff, you can get people to agree right. with you. And if that's what your your cause is, then people are generally going to be pretty positive about it. Um, Pianesi is, quote, uh, an honorary citizen of 12 towns in Italy and across the world. He met Pope Francis in 2016, along with his second wife, Loredana Volpi, who was also under investigation. The meeting infuriated the group's followers who claimed Pianesi had always harshly criticized the church and the pontiff. So once again, you got this guy who just kind of likes to have the status. If he can't have the status, he's going to put it down. You know, what again is right out of the L. Ron Hubbard Scientology playbook. You know, you you see in the life of L. Ron Hubbard, for instance, this idea that he wants to be in the insider club of the psychiatrists and the mm-hmm. psychotherapists, and they reject him and his ideas, and so he demonizes them and creates his own, you know, kind of alternative world. So this diet is like this alternative world. And, um, but basically, you know, if you've got this idea that viruses and and cancer and HIV and all of this can be cured through this diet, and you're healing the world through this diet, Mm. then people overlook a lot of the other weird stuff that they're doing it's like hey look this is a mission right you know to 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 feed the world properly but eventually if you get deep in it it turns out that they they had rules against women wearing short skirts um uh, makeup and then also they weren't supposed to wash during their period right now what what do we see when we we notice these sorts of things we notice that anytime somebody is going to get extremely controlling of your behaviors it's Mm -hmm. not just about a way of life that's that's unplugging from other bad things that are unhealthy for us. It's just this control, yeah. almost control for the sake of bizarre control, right? Uh, like um, you had to get out of bed on the right side, not the left side. That you needed to. Oh, this uh, is weird. This is yeah. getting weirder. <laughs> oh yeah, you you should only cut your hair and nails. Uh, on days other than Tuesday and Thursday, no nail cutting or hair cutting on Tuesday and Thursday, whatever, just no good. Huh. And then it gets really bad. You shouldn't laugh too much. Don't use the internet. Don't go to the gym. Okay, yeah, you gotta cut off people from communication, right? And then the men were told that wives who left them were akin to prostitutes. You know, like that that SP kind of reject them if mm-hmm. they don't follow the cult, and so. Yeah, they weren't allowed to go online. They weren't allowed outside of their system. So in 2018, the Italian police go in. Um, they're looking at this primarily because of the death of Ma P's first wife, who had a hidden illness and basically died because she was not being nourished. Gotcha. Right. So they get to investigate because now there's a death. Right now. I am sorry, friends. I, I've been looking through the internet, and I'm having a hard time figuring out what happened since 2018. Mm. I am not too good with the Italian. okay. So I can kind of catch a little bit here and there, but I just can't really figure out what happened to him since. But that was, that was something that was going on for a couple decades in Europe, in Italy, right? But what's the backstory? Let's take it back to the backstory. George Osawa, born 1893, dies in 1966, Again, develops his ideas in France. And he saw something I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably was right about. So as a Japanese guy, he's checking out all these people who are suffering unnecessarily because of their terrible European diet. Mm-hmm. And if you're, listen, if you're from Japan, I can imagine 
that that going and getting that creamy French food is gonna be rough on you, you know. But but yeah, American food worse. Well, and when you were in Japan, I just remembered how fresh and light everything felt. Right, that you just felt super healthy mm-hmm. until you started coming back to the. Uh, well, American only food. until I had a makadana do at the very last day right. of my trip, right before I got on the plane, and that was the worst. You know, oh, I was like, oh, why was I eating this? No, no good. Oh man, no good. So I mean, that, it it makes a lot of sense, right? So he sees people dying in this other system, and. He's influenced by a Japanese doctor named Sagen Ishizuka, who was into food as medicine, and plus the importance of the cooking technique. Now, if you go into, let's say, any Japanese cooking class, mm-hmm. they're going to talk about the importance of the way you cook, the way you're cutting things into certain shapes, whether it's natural or artificial, a square or something that's kind of elegantly drifting. I mean, there's... It's wonderful. I love all that stuff when it's not culty, when it's not forced upon me. Right. But it's being artful. Ishizuka, 1850 to 1909, was somebody who pioneered this idea of shokoiku. Shokoiku, which means essentially food education. Now, what's interesting about this is just that concept of food education since 2005 has become really important for Japanese society because it came along with the introduction of Western fast food chains. So when I was out in Japan, I was always trying to get people not to try <laughs> to get me to go to KFC. No, I had yeah, other yeah. I had other <laughs> sites, you know. It is kind of funny because sometimes when you are being hosted, um, you know, abroad, they kind of think like that you might want comfort food. And yes, some people do. Some people do, yeah. You know, but what we always try to say is, no, please give take me, me somewhere. your favorite places, yes. you know. Although they understood this when I was in Urawa, Japan. <laughs> they said, they... hey, Mallinson, next time we come visit Irvine, would you please tell the uh, college administrators not to take us to the Asian buffet? Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> like we would like that's the worst. we would like your good food. We don't need your garbage, right? Like oh, that, that's you know, the worst. It really is. And and to be fair, though, they did it to us because they that gave us pizza. Obviously, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> but like you know, I I love Japan and I love the food in Japan. I'm not always a fan of, of pizza that I get in Japan. I don't know why it's not my favorite. All the uh, the pizza we had in China better than better <laughs> no, than England had- pizza. It had the like the mayonnaise on it, right? The yes, mayonnaise. Yes. That's what even at a Pizza Hut. Well, the point is, is like, China. all right, so you didn't have to deal with this if you just ate food, right? But now that you've got McDonald's do at at the the Tokyo station, right, when you're getting on the train to go to school, it, this is a problem, and so it's something that people are emphasizing as a counterbalance to this unhealthy stuff. Now think about it this way, then. This macrobiotic diet is really good for you as a way to kind of pull back on all the nasty put stuff you're putting in your body. So is it kind of like a detox, kind of, if you used it for that? Stacy, thank you, because that's really what it's supposed to be. I mean, the, the people who who are kind of on the, on the like advocacy side of the macrobiotic diet is... Uh, especially as the the history of this movement, when you're dealing with, say, uh, Osawa, Osawa was kind of giving one of many ways to kind of fast, right? right? So the problem is when it gets, when it gets picked up by other people, they take this, they take this prescription for a detox or a fast and they make it their entire diet, but, which you can't right. work. We, we just were down at the most beautiful beach. Yes, it was And beautiful. did you see all that, all that wonderful 
thick kelp that yes. went washed up. The amazing thing about the Pacific Northwest, friends, is you can just be kayaking and you can just rip out some kelp and you can just chomp, chomp on your little cucumber-like kelp. It's wonderful. You can't really live off of it. Just like you can't live off of pickles. It'll help clean your teeth, though. Clean your teeth. In, they put it in toothpaste. It's wonderful. But um, the, so you see, see vegetables, daikon, which is kind of radish, and kudzu, which is a vine plant with pods, uh, kind of filled it out, right? So we talked about the miso soup and the brown rice, but whole grains, yes, also seaweed, which is really good. You need your iodine and all this. But again, you can't live off of this. Mm-hmm. Now... Uh, This, however, this kind of health food concern for Japanese culture, again, something that's late 19th century, early 20th century, influences Manabu Nishibata, who was a direct disciple of Ishizuka, okay? And if you're not following it, don't worry. Um, The the key point is important and, and not necessarily the names unless you're interested in the fine points. But, But basically... He claims that he was able to overcome a deadly illness using uh, Ishizuka's approach. And the approach was this, balance yin and yang. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it really ended up meaning was you only were supposed to drink liquids when you're thirsty. And only you should eat food when you have pangs of hunger. And this is the part I was talking about with chewing. You should chew each mouthful 50 times at least. Mm. Now, I actually remember this. That's a long time. I don't remember if my parents were telling me I had to chew 50 times, but I remember that they had told me that there are some people that advocate that. Mm. So I remember I never got it really as a kid as a, as a cult-like requirement. Gotcha. But I had this seemingly scientific idea put into my head yeah. that my parents had had that you know you're supposed to Somewhere. chew chew 50 times or more. I didn't I don't remember the number 50. I would probably think, you know, more along the lines of 20 or 30, but I just remember, you know, hearing certain recommendations and then thinking about it and trying to chew my food and I don't know, I'm like that seemed sometimes it seems a little excessive. I mean, yeah. I don't I haven't tried it recently, but when I was younger I remembered that went on a lot longer, whatever the number was, but 50 sounds like it would be a lot. It's a little intense. So, yet, Osawa, as far as I can tell, seems like a pretty cool guy. Like, I like this guy. He's kind of like a Japanese Mr. Rogers health nut, and I love it. Um, as long as we don't take these people to be scientists, yeah. right? And this yin and yang science and spirituality is something that I think can be helpful. We should take nature seriously, right? What do our bodies crave? What... Uh, what are the natural things in the world? What's the uncarved block as opposed to the processed food? It all makes intuitive sense, and it's generally what science also backs up. Also, I like about uh, Osawa that he mentions Lao Tzu directly as mm-hmm. he's looking at this. So mm-hmm. he's trying to do kind of food feng shui right. as a Japanese guy in Europe. You know, it's well, a, and simplicity is a big, you know, it's a big totally. Key you know, piece of the Tao Te Ching. It's a big thing in Rastafarian food where you don't want to overly season it. You want to appreciate it for what it is. So as a spiritual practice, eating your food without it being overly processed can be really powerful. Mm -hmm. It's really like intimate. You're, you're connecting with it. I love. And the more things that you can eat raw, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, though sometimes with like a raw diet, for instance, it's important to remember that some aspects of a plant, you're are really getting, activated when you heat it up. Yeah. You know, you want so to break it down. Yeah. Um, 
Now, uh, so anyway, in 1931, Osawa publishes a book called The Unique Principle, where he explains the connection between the yin and yang and then the order of the universe. And if the order of the universe, why not our, you know, food that we eat? He was incarcerated during World War II because he was a pacifist. So I like this guy. He's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's a good guy. Surprising that he's somebody who survived. Uh, and he probably survived because he was freed when General MacArthur came into Japan. And, uh, and anyway, he also, by the way, was influenced by a European guy named Christoph Wilhelm Friedrich Hufeland, 1762 to 1836. Do you know anything important about Hufeland? course he's the guy who starts homeopathy yes no i'm joking i didn't know that he started this i didn't know that there was this weird pedigree but what's homeopathy this is something probably most people are more familiar with in the west so it's similar right you're dealing with small amounts of of uh, substances that might otherwise hurt you Mm. as an example and I am by no means an expert in homeopathy, uh, but one of the ways in which it, it came across to me was a friend had, had actually helped me in it. I thought it worked well, at least my anecdotal experience was this. He gave me a, a, an acid pill, <laughs> not LSD. He gave me hydrochloric acid okay. in pill form when I had indigestion, mm. when I had acid reflux. Oh. And the idea was if I take a Tums, which is a base, mm-hmm. And it it will settle down the acid in my stomach. That's that's what conventionally I would take mm-hmm. if I had heartburn. Mm-hmm. I should have just said heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he gave me the acid, and what he said it does is it closes the sphincter in my esophagus. So that you don't keep getting the reflux. So it doesn't come back out because it knows, it senses that there's the... The, the the acid and it holds back the acid because it senses the acid gotcha. as opposed to the, letting it come up because it's uh, it, it feels better. Gone. Now, yeah. I don't even know if this works uh, theoretically. I, I know that it seemed to work the, the time that I tried it, but that's at least the, the philosophy where you kind of take the thing in as the medicine. You know, you, you think about, let's say, like the venom of a snake being used to be able to produce an anti-venom mm-hmm. or something like this. Mm-hmm. So, anyway... Homeopathy comes from this uh, uh, Christoph Wilhelm uh, Friedrich Hufeland, and uh, this Hufeland's interesting circles led him to be influential on Goethe uh, and Goethe's wife, uh, and uh, generally natural therapeutics do kind of owe a little bit of their their history. Who's Goethe? To the, uh, Geert, uh, the, uh, um, uh, the the sorrows of young Werther. You read that. Um, the, uh, the the author. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Do you yes, remember? Yes. 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 I do. I you, did. you remember that? Yes. Yes. Back uh, in, um, uh, the Faust. Back in my university yes. pen days. Yes. yes, yes. yes. Um, anyway, so uh, he 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 also was said to have predicted. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. So this this idea of naturopathic medicine was where you have this focus on life force, which is kind of an analog to the Eastern concept of chi. So you don't want to use up your chi. You mm-hmm. want to hang on to your chi. Um, this is why in some Taoist sexual practices you are not supposed to have an orgasm because you release and you lose your chi right. if you're a dude. Gotcha. Ladies, you're fine. Enjoy. <laughs> um, so, uh, But basically, this 
Hufeland coins the term macrobiotics. It comes back to us then through this longer route than through Osawa. Osawa was said to have predicted JFK's death through an old samurai technique of interpreting the iris um, and the pupil of the person's eyes, and it's called sanpaku. Hmm. And, and uh, Osawa was from a poor uh, samurai family. So there was this idea that if you're looking your your enemy in the eye, you can tell how tired they are. Mm. You, you can kind of... You can size them up behind their armor if you can kind of see Into their what eyes. their eyes are like, yeah. you know. And I'm sure that that's kind of a cool samurai technique, right? And he said that he's, you know, going to predict JFK's death. Well, that's not normally maybe how it works. Regardless, people give him a little bit of credibility, you know. Mm-hmm. And as my dad says, this becomes really interesting for people that are fascinated by the Orient in the 50s and 60s in America and England, especially amongst the counterculture, right? Some interesting quotes from our friend Osawa, George Osawa. Um, Quote, he thinks that macrobiotic living is merely a cure for physical ailments, however, can never really be helped. It is not a new medicine to stop pain or suffering, but rather a teaching that goes to the source of pain and eradicates it. I actually like that, and if people would focus on that, I think... That makes a lot more sense. Where is the pain in our life that's coming out in bad habits as far as what we're eating or consuming? Right. Yeah, there, though, there's definitely yeah some key things that we can learn from that. Pay attention to, you know, what is it that we're feeding our bodies? Yeah, and one of the things, though, is pay attention to what we're not feeding our bodies. And yeah. so the problem is what are we missing out? Yeah. if you're going to even that, dabble with, with veganism, you got to do your research. That's what makes it fun for us because yeah. then we, we're yeah. learning about cool new nutrients but man you can't just wing it and i would say that's one yeah that is one of the things that for me is fun because i as i mentioned in our other podcasts kind of falling into certain ruts you know you know certain ways to feed yourself and get full you know and especially if you get busy and things like that but you have to think a little harder about it you know when we're when we're exploring veganism and vegetarianism especially if i'm not relying on the cheese and yeah you know all those creamy I, I was i was dancing when you were when you were uh, making up those tacos today yeah they were so good i mean i was actually just joyful and i've enjoyed tacos my whole <laughs> life and never sad about a taco but it was just i was i was overjoyed with the flavor and the freshness and it just felt great right so all of this is of course good quote he says uh, osawa also says quote be independent if you are dependent on, on anyone or anything, then you are lost, end quote. I love this. I wish the, the poor people in Italy mm-hmm. that were following the macrobiotic food cult would have taken that piece. Although, interestingly, almost every cult that I've studied says that. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't even know, man. It's <laughs> like I don't even know what to say. Like, like th- that, was the great, that was the great starting point of Scientology. We're going we're gonna to deal with things as they really are. We're not going to mess around with religion. And then it becomes a religion. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just really weird. Anyway. Yeah. Now, there was this guy named Carl Foray, and he uh, is uh, somebody, I think, who has an interesting take on him. Um, Quote, his writing on diet was written with the French in mind. Osawa had observed that no matter how limited he made his dietary suggestions, the French always cheated and ate a broader range of foods. Thus, he made a dietary suggestion of brown rice, gomashio, which is sesame salt, and a little bancha tea, 
only. This diet became known as diet number seven and was to be used for short times as with a fast. When this diet was brought to the United States, however, Americans were able to follow it without cheating and for long and at times dangerous periods of time. That's from uh, the uh, preface to Essential Osawa from Food to Health, Happiness to Freedom, Understanding the Basics of Macrobiotics, which we're not really recommending for any other reason than historical curiosity. So basically, though, uh, it is, I would say that's not true. There is something interesting about food philosophy. Yeah. It's entirely possible, and I haven't read it. I don't you know, know enough about it. But it's entirely possible that there are some things that we might want to adapt or borrow or or crib <laughs> well, uh, from Osawa that maybe aren't, um, they're not actual prescriptions for a healthy diet, but have some interesting um, possibilities for adaptation with real science. Yeah, well, or as you mentioned, maybe for a short period of time as a detox or something. So here's the deal. The principal takeaways, as far as I can tell from what I researched on this. Number one, the Tao does accord with nature. So this means that there is a spiritual component to diet, right? That always is. Mm -hmm. But anyone in any system, friends, that encourages you to disregard real science and empirical research is not Tao. It's not godly. It's not spiritual. It's not right. Mm -hmm. And this goes for everything. Everything, right? There are so many wacky diets out there. Don't, don't be uncritical. And be very careful. And maybe let them roll for a few years before a few people start, like, you know, getting osteoporosis or something, right? Like, yeah. you want to have something that's tried and true before you're, you're tinkering with some very important aspects of your own life. And we'll say, while we don't, we cannot give medical advice or dietary advice unless we're right. interviewing a doctor or a dietitian, <laughs> which we will do. Um, but but the, the fact is that when in doubt... I think a good breadth of foods is is sometimes going to be our saving grace. Yes. So no matter what people are saying, if you're just eating brown rice, that's probably a bad idea. Well, because <laughs> you need to balance your nutri yes. nutrients, right? Whatever so that balance looks like. However you can get the balance in there, you know, and diversify your food to the extent that you can cover all your bases, then that's that's important. <laughs> and, and this is why I, I think, you know, the new anthropologists are saying that one of the things that really made people that were hunter-gatherers healthier is they just they had various types of, of food that they would eat, various animals, various vegetables and fruits, whereas once you get to the agricultural revolution, we're only eating one or two things. And sometimes they're better than others. Sometimes they create buildup of, of parts of the plant that we don't really want, you know, or, or, or uh, they're insufficient in some ways. So by eating a lot of stuff, that's good. And so... Yes, be natural, but think about that in the broadest way. And one of the things that's natural for us humans is clearly our um, omnivore character, right? Mm -hmm. we're, just, we're just going around munching. Though, interestingly, friends, the silverback gorilla, kind of vegan, kind of vegan. I, I, I can look into that. I know they're vegetarian, you know, but maybe every once in a while they, they, uh, they cheat. Because, you know, the deer sometimes will eat like baby ducks and stuff. It's very strange. A lot of animals that you think do not eat meat. What about elk? Do, well, I think if deer eat 
if deer eat little baby elk, uh, <laughs> baby elk. No, they don't eat baby elk. If deer eat baby ducks, I bet a, I bet an elk would. I'll look that up. I'll look that up. Um, anyway, and then the second thing is, I love this idea of minimalism uh, and rejection of processed foods because processed food, not Dow, but austerity and self-starvation is not Dow. It's not Jesus. Right, right. You know, Jesus was was uh, condemned. Uh, interestingly, uh, you know, by by some they said, "Hey, you know, uh, why are you you know uh, uh, partying? Why are you drinking booze? And you're a glutton. You're eating too much." And Jesus says, "Hey, you know, you you complained about John the Baptist because he wasn't eating and drinking, and now you're complaining about me because I wa- I am eating and drinking. What you really should do is know that wisdom is is justified by our children, which means for Jesus, see what." is produced by a diet or a philosophy or a religion or a spirituality, you have to look at the results. When you mention that a lot of these cults, they start with this idea of we're going to see things how they really are, right? Or as they really are, which sounds like, you know, like you said, like a good premise there. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, these things that places or things claim that is their mission, are you seeing the results of that from their right. mission if people are starving and if they aren't <laughs> you know if <laughs> yeah if people are dying because of their diet then that's a pretty good sign there's actually <laughs> something else this place is all about yes and so what figure out what that is before you ever you know mess with it whatsoever or you know have contact or come near it right figure out what is a place if they they can have whatever mission statement or whatever fluffy things mm-hmm. that they say no matter whatever it is in mm-hmm. life that you're looking at right what is if, yep. what they say they're going to do, is that what is actually the result? Mm. And if it's not, that's not what they're actually selling, folks. <laughs> they're yeah. selling something else. But you Top gotta, three you answers know. on the board, 100 gurus and sages surveyed. Number three, ding, glory. Number two, ding, <laughs> yeah. money. Number one, ding, <laughs> power. <laughs> so if you're not getting fed, Find your nutrition where it's nutritious, friends. This is really important. And I think one of the great ways that this uh, season's going to help us is by starting with the very basic, simple thing of asking, what are we eating? Who's feeding us this crap? Mm-hmm. And is it good for us? Is it making us feel good? Is it making us healthy? You start with your actual food, and then you move that into your relationships, and then into your, your religion, and in your politics, and in your job life. What are you taking into yourself? Because if you're going to love other people, friends, you've got to also love the you that you are closest to. That's you. Mm-hmm. You are a person to be loved and, uh, and taken care of. And taken care of. So feed yourself with deep compassion and love and joy. Any of these cults that is about you know, self-starvation and austerity is just Somebody no else good. is benefiting from you yeah. sacrificing. And I can tell you this, don't you agree? Right now, at least, whatever my quote-unquote diet is, with the exception of wishing I could have, like, more beer. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes wish I had more beer. But for the most part, I don't feel like I'm depriving myself. I'm just refocused. Right. Do you feel like deprived? No, no, I don't feel deprived at all. I'll, I'll notice that every once in a while, like I crave uh, some peanut butter or something. So yes. I'm like, okay, I but probably that's need fine. some protein. That's you great. know. Yeah. Um, so, but, but again, that's att- also listening, listening yes. to the body, right? Yes. And what is my body saying? So if I'm really craving an egg, I really need to get some sort of protein in me or something, you right. know. 
Uh, but you're just paying attention. Just, yeah, by tuning in and, you know, seeing what, what I feel like. Also, <laughs> there are times when we've splurged and I'm like, okay, let's, you know, uh, like, have some French fries and a bite yeah. splurge just because we know it's not healthy for us. Well, we, you know? we, you know, we're staying at this casino <laughs> and it's free, but we figure, well, we'll pop in and just buy something and and then the tummy grumbles oh. that happen after and it's they were like curly fries but they didn't have the curly fry <laughs> flavor they were just curly and i think when i order curly fries i'm, I'm anticipating some a, kind of cajun flavor. seasoning or something yeah <laughs> instead it was just nothing well you're like these are they're spiral you know, spirally <laughs> fries over overcooked in oil <laughs> well you know mostly flavorless <laughs> except for the 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 ranch or the you know that i was putting on mine but vegetarian <laughs> i guess <laughs> you know yeah uh, or the ketchup yeah well the ketchup apparently is no good now because it's got it's the nightshade family according to george osawa oh, i joke whatever you do friends you know eat well you know have yourself a little picnic and listen to your body until next time everybody peace upon peace Thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said there was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter low too much.